People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome back to Premier League Insights, the podcast that combines betting market data with predictive modelling to try and give you an edge on Premier League betting. After a bit of a break, I'm now back with Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGold to run through the latest Premier League fixtures. Happy New Year, Jake. How's it going? Happy New Year, Ben. Yeah, very good, thank you. And Well, it's been a manic Christmas period, hasn't it? There's plenty of uh, shocks, upsets, new managers, etc. Yeah, let's get going into 2020. Keep that up. Yeah, we've missed a few podcasts, a lot of action to enjoy, but yeah, let's go get back to it, dig into the games and, and see if we can find our listeners some value. Yeah, let's get going. Our first game is Sheffield United versus West Ham and Sheffield United for me, I mean, they continue to impress under Chris Wilder. They they did well to take four points against games from Brighton and Watford before they had away trips to, to Manchester City and Liverpool and they lost both of those 2-0. I don't think they would have expected much more comfortably beaten by Liverpool but they actually won the XG battle at the Etihad which we know is a a very rare occurrence this season. They look to be one of the luckier teams in the division earlier on when they were hovering around kind of fifth, sixth in the table but some improved performances and and some consistency in those results means they're now kind of just about where they should be in eighth. As for West Ham obviously a change at the helm since we last spoke. David Moyes has come in for Pellegrini Seems like the board are going for a bit of stability, which seems like a good idea given the underlying performances we've seen for, I mean, it's not just this season, it's it's a season and a half under Pellegrini. There's a lot of work for things for them to do. Things started with that 4-0 win against Bournemouth last night, last time out, and it was a win that they fully deserved. And I think it was 0.5 or around 0.5 XG for Bournemouth. That's got to be one of the lowest West Ham's opponents have registered this season. It's, it's certainly going to be a tougher test for Moyes uh, than it was for his first game in charge. What chance do you give West Ham of getting all three points for this one? Um, well, obviously we make them strong second favourites, but I think the interesting thing is the fact that um, that Sheffield United's price has, has drifted slightly. Um, I was looking before the, the 4-0 win um, for West Ham against Bournemouth and the Blades were, they were heavy odds on to beat what was a really struggling West Ham team, but they've drifted slightly and I think that's about right, to be honest. I don't think West Ham are, in terms of the players that they have there, they're not as bad as what the results have suggested. Um, and a new manager, which, like you said, they came in there and put in a really strong defensive performance, just a 0.53 expected goals against. And that is, uh, like you said, their best defensive display of the season so far. And uh, and that's hugely, opt- uh, you know, provides a plenty of optimism going into this game. And, and that's why... I feel like Sheffield United are probably a bit too short for this game. They're around 51%. Infigol's got them around 46 Um, You're right to point out that they you know, they played really well at Man City. They were unfortunate not to get anything from that game. And they were, you know, they're, they're only the second team to beat Manchester City on expected goals this season. So um, that is, like you said, no mean feat. Against Liverpool, though, they were really poor. Um, I thought they just rolled over, really, and, and let Liverpool have their way with them, which is not something you expect to see from Chris Wilder's side. And it's something that Chris Wilder himself came out and um, had a real go at his players for. But prior to that, they'd been really impressive, like you like said. They went to Brighton and got a fully deserved win. Um, went, they played Villa at home, got a fully deserved win. And, and against Watford, they were unfortunate not to get all three points, generating 2.5 expected goals for. 
So this is a really strong Sheffield United team. Like you said, they're about where they deserve to be now in the table, which is um, which is a good sign. Uh, that the, the process that they're playing at currently is sustainable, and you know if they carry on, if they repeat their first half of the season with the second uh, in the second half of the season, they'll finish in the top ten. Um, I have no doubt about that. They're um, yeah, the process has been really really funny actually. They're, in terms of goals, they've scored twenty three goals from chances equating to thirty three expected goals. So they're, they're ten behind um, in that sense. So they're not being as clinical as as, as we would expect them to be. Uh, but defensively, they've they've overperformed. Um, almost equally, so they've, they've conceded 21 goals, but their expected goals against is is at 30. So what we're seeing is a team that isn't very clinical going forward, but they, you know, they've, they've, their goals live the charmed life in defence. So what is that? What that's telling us is that while they, most of the matches have been quite low scoring, in terms of actual chances created in the games, they're actually quite high. Um, and the Blades are averaging 1.58 expected goals for per game and allowing 1.43 expected goals against, and they're, they're two quite high. Um, numbers for a team that we we expect to be, or that has got a um, you know a history of winning one nil and two nil and, and and playing tight matches. So it's quite you know the, the defence there is is a little bit of a surprise at one point four three, and it's something that West Ham can definitely exploit. Now you'll be able to tell us um, more, Ben, but in, in terms of what Moyes changed in the first uh, in the first game in charge against Bournemouth, it, on the face of it anyway, it looked like. Nothing. He didn't change anything. It was exactly the, the the same team as what Pellegrini has been picking. So, from your perspective, what did he actually change? Not a great deal, to be honest with you. It felt like a, a massive slice of luck to start the game well, and then it was just building from there. It's it's very difficult to to kind of say after one game, and even in the the game just gone against Chillingham, we didn't look all that great at the back either. So it's. I feel like as time goes on, games like this will will begin to find out more, and and maybe we might see him tinker around. But yeah, team selection tactically, it, it all looked very similar. Yeah, so it's quite interesting though that the, that obviously the manager came in, David Moyes, and, and West Ham put in arguably the best performance of the season to date um, straight away. I know Bournemouth are having their struggles at the minute, but I don't know whether he said something or tight, slightly tweaked something, but um, that you know. It, if West Ham continue playing that way, then they'll definitely pull themselves way clear of the relegation battle that they're, that they're currently in. But from a betting perspective, anyway, this one, we're looking at both teams to score. We calculate around 56% chance of, uh, of both teams to score in this game and bookmakers around 53%. So there's a small amount of value in there. Um, I think this could be an entertaining game, really, at, at Bramall Lane on Friday night. And hopefully uh, some fireworks to get the... Premier League underway this week. Yeah, it seems like betters aren't expecting too much of an entertaining one because the the under two point five has been heavily favoured. But as you said, two teams that that give away chances if they can put their chances away, we'll, we might see some goals. I'd be I'd like to know from from kind of a modelling perspective, we're in a a bit of a strange situation where a manager's actually come back in. So can you? I mean, he had a decent spell before. It was around about thirty games. Is there any use in going going back to that? that point in time when Moyes was in charge and looking at kind of performances then, or is it obviously transfers have come in, things have changed? Is it, is it kind of wasted time doing that? Uh, I think that there is, I think it's worth doing that, just having a little brief look at uh, what the process was, but you're right there, the, the transfers, I, I'd arguably say that the squad he's got now is better than what he left, uh, what the, than the squad he left last time out. So it'd be interesting to see how that improves almost. Um, if he if he can improve the process from his previous spell, uh, but you know that, that 
seems to be a trend, doesn't it, this season? Obviously, Watford went back in and got Kike Sanchez-Flores. Um, who knows, after the result that Everton had the other day in the FA Cup, Ancelotti might be out and we might be looking to get Marco Silva back in. So, um, But yeah, there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely some, um, some scope in, in doing that and just seeing what, what we can expect. Because obviously, in terms of modelling for the, this game right now, we're using the, the numbers that, that Manuel Pellegrini had accrued over the last 30, 40 games. So it is quite hard to judge, um, especially from a betting perspective, how, how a new manager will it affect the process. But looking back at previous stints is, is a pretty decent um, look, yeah. Right, so we'll move on to Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. We'd spoken before about how Palace's results weren't quite in line with the actual performances and we've seen a bit of a drop-off from them in recent weeks. The The win against West Ham on Boxing Day was only their, their one win in the last six games. They've had three 1-1s and a 0-0 and they, they tend to not really show a great deal going forward and attack has always been the issue for them. It's it's when you look back at the games against Norwich, Southampton, Newcastle and Watford, they'll They'll be disappointed that they didn't really do anything more going forward because they could have got a win in those games. And as for Arsenal, the the winds of change are blowing, Jake. Arteta has come in and everyone's expecting this this big change. And oh dear. That win against Manchester United. You're on the United. bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> hold on, <laughs> hold on. I'll, I'll stick, stick to what we know from before. I think that they obviously had that win against Manchester United and that's that's done a bit to appease the fans. I mean, it did look good both in terms of watching the game, but also the the XG from it. But you look back to a couple of games before that, I think Bournemouth, they, they weren't too great. They they conceded. I think they were, it was pretty much a draw on XG. Um, they're going to need a lot more from what we've seen over those kind of two, three games if they're going to get to where they want to be. This game is probably a good chance for them to maybe start building some momentum and get a couple of decent results. Do you think there's any value in them doing so? Absolutely not, no. Um, I think similarly to the, the Sheffield United-West Ham game, the prices have been massively um, shifted just purely based on recency bias. And, you know, you look at Arsenal, they're odds on to go to Crystal Palace and get a win. And this is a, this is a team that really struggles away from home. Like, it can't be understated how poor they are on the road. Uh, whether that is mental fragility or... Um, or something else, I'm, I'm not too sure. But their their record on the road this season is is absolutely appalling. Um, you know they, they've won twice. Once was at West Ham, a team that were really struggling at the time, uh, and the other was the first game of the season against Newcastle. So, yeah, th- this is a really bad travelling Arsenal team, um, and I, I just can't be going anywhere near them at odds uh, at odds on. Um, the Infocom model thinks they should be around 41% chance of getting the win. Uh, the market has them at 52, so there's definitely no value in, in backing them whatsoever. Um, and that's where we go with our main bet, really, is 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 just to oppose Arsenal. Crystal Palace or the draw in this one. Um, yeah, like you said, Crystal Palace have been a little bit disappointed in the season in terms of underlying process, and especially recently against teams that that are in and around them in the expected table. I mean, you look at Norwich, um, and Crystal Palace were second best on chances created in that game against Southampton. They were extremely fortunate to get a point. Um, losing the XG battle quite convincingly. Um, away at Newcastle, they were far from the creative best. And the, at home to Brighton, which was a game that was live on Sky, and it was one in which everyone sort of sat up and took note of how good Brighton were, but also how poor Palace were. Um, well, you know, you've got to have a caveat that Roy Hodgson hasn't had a full-strength squad available to him for a, lot, a long period of time now. He's had a lot of injuries, and some of those are starting to come back into fitness. But... You know, if they carry on playing the way they are, then their results will continue to to, to be what they have been recently. One win in six, because that's the sort of level that they're playing at. 
Um, they sit ninth in the table, 15th in our expected goals table. Um, but, you know, there's always this stigma with Palace that against the better teams that they can get the counter-attack going um, properly. Um, Wilfred Zaha can cause problems. Townsend can cause problems. Uh, Max Meyer has been starting more games and he's been looking lively. So I, I think this is a, a good game for Palace. Um, they do seem to struggle to break down the lesser teams. Um, a team to open up or play open football like West Ham did when they went there. Um, they got absolutely shredded. Uh, Crystal Palace fully deserved the win in that one. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something similar here. Um, you know, In terms of Arsenal, it was a much improved performance against Manchester United. But the, um, the main thing for me was while Arsenal, uh, while Arsenal were pretty good, I thought they were only good for half a game, uh, the 45, first 45 minutes. And after that, they were just sort of doing what they had to to get by. Um, and I feel if Manchester United had a bit more guile and, um, and quality in their team, then I think they could have made it a game. And it was the same story when they played Chelsea. For the first 45 minutes, Arsenal were fantastic. Um, you know, they rightly led at half-time. But they ran out of steam and Chelsea's quality, because I feel like Chelsea do have more quality than, than Manchester United, especially in the midfield areas, that, that it shone through. And they, in the end, Arsenal fully deserved to lose that game. I was impressed with the Arsenal's pressing. It's something that we've not seen for a long while from a, an Arsenal team. And it meant that Manchester United didn't have time on the ball, even, even at the back. But I still feel that if they had more quality Manchester United, like if Pogba was playing, for example, I think he would have being able to beat the press with his uh, his physicality and his pace um, and his ball control. So I'm still wary. Obviously, we're three games in. It's a really small sample. But what we've seen so far has been a bit of good, a bit of bad, and quite a bit of mediocrity, um, I would say, against Bournemouth. So it's really tough to judge. Obviously, they play uh, in the FA Cup as well before uh, before this game, which would be interesting to see what sort of team he puts out, whether he opts to rest his players for this game I'd, I'd be surprised if we played a full-strength team in the FA Cup, let me say that. I think that this getting getting the Premier League, um, you know, climbing the Premier League is more important. But if we're looking at underlying process, it is really poor. They're 12th in the expected table, sit 10th in the actual table. So we've got Crystal Palace and Arsenal, two teams that are overperforming according to expected goals. Interestingly, looking at this game is, is how short the goal markets are. Um, over two and a half goals is at 61% with the... Uh, on the market and both teams scores at 62%. And um, we feel as though opposing goals is the way to go in this one. We, we've got a, only a 53% chance of over two and a half and 57% of both teams to score. So there's quite a lot of value in taking on on, on goals. And that's, I think that is purely down to the fact that we, we've got these two teams fairly evenly matched. Um, obviously going forward, Crystal Palace have had their issues. Arsenal haven't been spectacular in attack. I could see it being a little bit of a tight game, but as I said previously at the start of this game, the the um, the main bet for us is just to oppose Arsenal, just purely based on the fact that they we feel like they are way too short at fifty two percent. And even though Crystal Palace haven't shown too much, I do feel as though this is the sort of game where um, which plays into their hands a little bit and their strengths. So taking Crystal Palace um, or the draw is is the main value bet in this one. And of course, I'm not jumping ship, Jake. I'd like to think you think think more of me than that. <laughs> it's easy to get carried away. It really is because they, it, was a, it was a pretty good performance against Manchester United. There was a lot I saw that I liked, but um, like you said, you, you said it yourself, it's a small sample size. You can't get carried away. Well, that's it. And just while you were talking now, I looked back and it was against Bournemouth, it was 1.6 expected goals each, which... 
I mean, Bournemouth have got to be one of the the worst teams in the league over the last kind of eight or nine games. And then, yeah, Chelsea, it was 0.8 for Arsenal, 1.68 for Chelsea. And I've heard a lot about this narrative, like you were saying there, about one, it's kind of like a good half of a game or 70 minutes and they get tired. But for me, that's kind of, as a a manager, it kind of shows a lack of experience. If you're going to go in with that tactic and know that you're going to gas out after kind of 50, 60 minutes, then then surely it's the not the the right approach to take cuz leave those that last half an hour and you get yourself undone it's it's going to be very difficult to win a game do you think is arteta the right man do you think to take arsenal forward or are you going to kind of sit wait and see and and give it a few more games before passing judgment well when it was immediately announced personally i didn't feel like it was a really it was a good appointment because i think he will need two, three years maybe to get to get Arsenal back to where they want to be. And that's purely because the players that he's got aren't good enough for Arsenal. Um, you know, he's, Una Emery he's, didn't turn to a bad coach overnight. I think that the recruitment has been really poor. Um, the players are just a, a total mismatch. Um, or, or, you know, it's a pick and mix, basically. You've got some players that can do certain things well, but not other things, and then vice versa. So there doesn't seem to be any sort of structure in how the, the team or the players have been, uh, have been collated at Arsenal. I think it'll take Arteta three, maybe four transfer windows to get that right. It's a similar process to what we've seen from Manchester United in that sense that they went through, um, Man United went through three managers and they ended up with players from all three different managers and, and Solskjaer is slowly getting things right. I mean, Manchester United brought in Wan-Bissaka and Harry Maguire this this last transfer window, which two signings that, you know, they've definitely improved United and Arsenal need those sorts of windows where they bring in some hallmark players and, and players to build the team around. And obviously the prime um, or the best team to look at for that is Liverpool, and look at what they've done. Um, you know, they've not they didn't go out in one window and sign eight players. It was right. What do we need? We need a goalkeeper. Let's go get Allison. What do we need? We need a centre half. Let's get Van Dijk. And they actually did it step by step, and and that's why they're in the position that they are now. And and I feel I feel like Arsenal will take two or three years. The pressure the pressing issue is interesting because obviously the last two games they've been leading at half time uh, before they've they've dipped off, and I think that is a little bit of naivety yes from the coach I think he needs to understand that his players can't do that for 90 minutes when Jurgen Klopp first came to Liverpool Liverpool played exactly the same way they were full out for 90 minutes and you watch them now and they're much more tactical in the way that they press and there's certain triggers and they're not doing it all the time um, so yeah there, there's something to be learned there for sure but I think what he's what what is really nice to see is the is the effort and the passion that Arsenal are now playing with under Arteta and I think if they keep doing that then they will start picking up a few more results Right, now we'll get on to Chelsea versus Burnley. Um, it seems like Chelsea's grip on the top four could have or was weakening for a bit. And if it wasn't for those around them doing so bad, they, they could be kind of fifth or sixth and, and out of the top four altogether. They they had those wins against Tottenham and Arsenal and they were obviously important, but the losses to Everton and Bournemouth will definitely be disappointing for them. They have been a bit unlucky and by expected points, I think they're the third best team in the league. Um They'll they'll really need to keep up performances throughout the second half of the season to to keep hold of that top four spot. As for Burnley, I think we were quite big on them not so long ago. They've suffered a bit of a blip after impressing in those early parts of the season. Their losses to Crystal Palace, Manchester City, I guess you could maybe write off to a certain extent. Tottenham, Everton, Manchester United and Aston Villa, all in the space of of a month, have seen them drop down to 15th. Over the course of the season, they have been performing like a mid-table team, but those recent results, they've, they're going to be a concern for Sean Dice and they really need to turn things around quickly. 
this is it's a game that's going to be difficult for them to get back to winning ways. But do you think they can do it? Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> it's a really interesting game. This I think this is probably one of the games of the weekend, just purely based on the fact that Chelsea's recent home form against teams of a uh, similar ilk of Burnley have been has been really poor. Um, you know, they, they lost one nil to West Ham when West Ham were almost at their lowest. Uh, they lost to Bournemouth when Bournemouth were probably at the lowest. Um, and then they pretty much kick-started Southampton's season for them a couple of weeks ago, um, losing at home to Southampton as well. And I feel like Burnley are in the same sort of category as those three teams, really. They're, um, at the minute, they've lost three in a row. They are very capable of going there, uh, making things really difficult for Chelsea. And I think that's what those three teams did. They went there um, and basically just sort of challenged Chelsea to break them down. Um, and in, in two of those games, the, the Bournemouth and West Ham games, Chelsea did break them down but didn't take the chances. But in the Southampton game, Southampton did a really good job of limiting um, Chelsea in attack. And, you know, what we've seen from Burnley in recent weeks hasn't been all that bad. I mean, obviously the results, three defeats in a row isn't ideal, but two of those, they went to Everton and, and got beat in which it was Ancelotti's first game in charge. So Everton were very highly motivated to, to make a statement there. They lost to Man United, which was a poor performance. But against Aston Villa last week, they were really unfortunate not to get the three points. They, um, you know, they racked up plenty of good chances, uh, 2.46 expected goals for. And, I, you know, they, there's a lot of talk about them being dragged into a relegation, but I don't see that just yet. I think there's, there's a lot more needs to go wrong for Burnley to be dragged into a re- relegation battle. But, um, you know, they, I feel like this is quite a big game for, for, for Burnley. In the sense of just, just sort of for them mentally saying that right, we we you know we can get back on track because things have gone wrong for them. And like I said, they, I feel like this is a really good opportunity for them to cause a bit of an upset. Um, interestingly, like Chelsea, three wins in the last nine matches, and they still got a five point cushion at top four, which is um, you know it shows you just how how poor the standard is below the uh, you know Liverpool, Leicester, and Manchester City. Teams are losing pretty much every other week um, in that race for for the top four. And like I said, it, it, Chelsea just seems to be one of those teams at the minute where when teams have a go at them, they can open them up and create plenty of good chances. Like you look at the Tottenham game, they were really impressive. Against Arsenal, especially in the second half, they were really impressive. When it comes to trying to break down the lesser teams, they seem to really struggle. I don't know what, uh, like why. But even after the Southampton game, Frank Lampard came out and said, these are the sort of games that we need to start improving in. Um, so it's quite a big test for Chelsea. And as you said, in terms of process, they've been fantastic this season. Third best team in the league on expected goals. 2.03 expected goals, four per game. So the, you know, they're creating plenty of chances at um, a very consistent rate. And, uh, and the defensive process has actually improved as well in recent weeks. They're just at 1.29 expected goals against per game. So they've actually got the third best, uh, sorry, fourth best defensive record in the league on expected goals. So everything there points to Chelsea being, you know, comfortably in the top four um, and that will finish in the top four. But, you know, it's these sorts of games that keep tripping them up. Um, you know, when you take that all into account, it's really, it's quite staggering, really, that Chelsea are so short. I mean, the, the bookmakers are making them 75% chance uh, of winning this game, which is incredibly short. Um, and Infogol looks we're closer to 55%. So um, in terms of value, that is a huge amount of value in, in, in chance in Burnley to get something at Stamford Bridge. Um, but, you know, if, you, if, if you're not fancying that, if you don't think that is a um, is viable option, given that Burnley have been a little bit out of form, 
the bet, the best bet for us, you know, in terms of where we're going, is 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 both teams to score. We think there's a really good bit of value in both teams to score. We're fifty six percent chance of that happening, compared to fifty percent on the market. So, um, we think this could be an entertaining game. Chelsea, they've, they've shown that they can they concede quite a few goals at home. Um, they were outplayed by Brighton in the last match, according to expected goals. And I feel like Burnley can create plenty of good chances against Chelsea in this one. And yeah, both teams score is where we're going. But if you want a big price. Burnley or the draw? Yeah, I'm just. I've got the odds up now, and I must admit this one flew under the radar when I was looking before. That by way of comparison, Chelsea versus Burnley. Chelsea are one point two eight seven. Burnley are eleven point five six. Manchester United versus Norwich. Manchester United are one point two nine four. Norwich are eleven point one one seven. So Burnley are a bigger underdog away at Chelsea than Norwich are at Manchester United, which is seems a strange one to me. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange, and I'm not quite sure what what the uh, the odds makers are looking at in that sense. Um, why Chelsea is so short. I think 60%, 65% is probably about right. Um, but 75% is, wow. We'll have to wait and see. Right, our next game is Everton versus Brighton. And things started well for, for Everton under Ancelotti. There was two wins and a narrow loss at where Manchester City. Um, not too bad, but I mean, you touched upon it earlier, that loss in the FA Cup to what was a very youthful Liverpool team is is really going to hurt both Ancelotti, the players, and obviously the fans as well. Um, it's not just the results that have improved under him in that that very short sample. The, the performances do look a lot better if you remove that FA Cup result. Um, they, they had that little run under Duncan Ferguson as well, so they're now up to 11th closer to that top half position that their expected points suggest that they deserve. I think with with Brighton we were both we both like them the way they play what's changed there they've they have dropped off a little bit since those impressive performances in the first half of the season but for them there's there's no threat of going down it just looks like there's there's plenty of room for progression under Potter so it'll be interesting to see how they they do in games like this and and for the remainder of the season. Everton obviously going to want to put that derby defeat behind them. And although the market has them as strong favourites, you have to feel like this is going to be a difficult one for them. What does Infogol think about it? Yeah, the, the market makes them strong favourites and, and Infogol does actually as well. Um, we're giving them a 57% chance of getting the win compared to 52 on the market. So we've actually found quite a bit of value in in, in siding with Everton. And you know that loss to Liverpool's under-12s is going to definitely motivate Everton to... Um, you know, to put on a good performance in, in, in front of their own fans. And you could almost call it a backlash. That's what we're expecting, or I'm expecting anyway. Uh, I think Everton will um, come flying out of the blocks in this one. And, you know, under Ancelotti, two wins and a loss. I think if they win this, it's been a really successful start to his, his managerial campaign. They look at the performances against Burnley. They were really impressive, 1.64 to 0.65. Away at Newcastle, they were well, it was their best attacking performance of the season. Three point four eight expected goals for. They were creating chances left and right. So that you know, it, I was very surprised with the team that he played in the Newcastle game. To be honest, it was just so attacking. He got basically six attacking players on the pitch in in front of a back four with Sigurdsson and Tom Davies playing in the middle of the park. Um, and you know it, that is really exciting for anyone who's um, you know who's following football. You want to see goals. You want to see entertainment and. Looks as though that's what Ancelotti is, is trying to provide. They were pretty good against Manchester City. They limited them well. Um, but as you mentioned, in terms of over over the full season, they are performing like, or they have performed like a, a top ten team. They sit eighth in the expected table. The process is 
is strong. One point six um, expected goals for, one point three four against. So that you know, there's a lot to like about what they're doing or what they have done so far this season, even if the results suggest otherwise. So um, you know, I'm expecting a big performance and a reaction after that uh, after that game. Brighton, as you said, we've be, we've been quite sweet on them all season. Um, yeah, and to be fair, they're, they're turning quite a lot of heads recently. They've been on television over Christmas a fair bit. You know, the Tottenham game, they were really impressive. They won the XG battle in that. Um, they played against Bournemouth um, on TV as well. They were really impressive and won the XG battle in that. And then they won the XG battle against Chelsea. So um, they're a team that are trending in the right direction. And they're playing really good football while they're at it. So it's going to be a tough game for Everton. But this Brighton team, especially on the road, they've, they've really struggled. Um, you know, over the course of the season, they're allowing 1.9 expected goals against per game, which is is you know it's really it's one of the worst in the league in terms of um, its processes. I feel like Everton have got enough to break them down here, and like I said, the, the major value is is to back Everton to get the win. We've also got a small amount of value in in backing goals over two and a half. Uh, we think there's a 56 percent chance the market's got it around four, 54. So. Um, you know, high scoring Everton win is, is where we're looking in this one. Yeah, I can certainly see that. As you said, one of the the weaknesses that Brighton do have is that defence. And if Arsenal, uh, Everton come out and, and play six attacking players again, you can easily see a few goals getting racked up. Now we've got Leicester versus Southampton. I think we said eight or nine games ago that if Leicester win all their games up until this point, then then you might consider them to be title contenders. But surprise, surprise, that didn't happen. The defeats to both Manchester City and Liverpool, it, it really showed the gap in class. And, and with the draw against Norwich in there as well, it means that this season is now all about holding on to the top four for them. As for Southampton, we expected them to recover and they've they've done just that over the last month. If they they hadn't lost to Newcastle and West Ham a few weeks back, they'd, they'd really be flying up the table. But they've still won five and drawn one in the last eight games with Danny Ings on fire during that period. Expected points has them comfortably in the top eight, but they're actually still 12th in the table. Maybe the market is underestimating them here at 6.5 or, or just a 15% chance of winning. What do you think? Yeah, we, we feel like they they are being a li- underestimated a little bit. Um, like you've said, they they are absolutely flying at the minute. And if this game took place prior to Christmas, I would imagine that Leicester would be probably the same price as what Chelsea were. Uh, it was about one point two seven. But you know, we come into this game and you know, le- to be fair, Leicester have recovered very well from those two defeats. Um, but Southampton are just they they are absolutely flying, and it seems as though the the games against the better teams suit them. Um, but we'll start with Leicester because, like you said, everyone was touting them as potential title contenders. But games to Manchester City and Liverpool, they got absolutely dominated. They got smashed around. They conceded a host of chances. I mean, seven expected goals in two matches is what is what they allowed. And obviously, they conceded seven goals. So um, they didn't have any positive variance in the favour in that sense. But yeah, they, especially the Liverpool game, I think that was one where it was a result and a performance that hammered home that this Leicester team just aren't ready to be in the same league as Liverpool and Manchester City uh, in terms of challenging for a title. They you know, they, they created just 0.15 expected goals for. Um, and if you look at the two games from Leicester against Liverpool, uh, in, including the Anfield game, um, you know, the, Leicester created just 0.1 in that game as well. So against the best team in the league, Leicester managed just 0.25 expected goals in two matches, which suggests to me that either Brendan Rodgers is no match for Klopp tactically or he just got it completely wrong this season in, in the way that he tried to set them up. But like I said, they bounced back really well. They went to West Ham with a, a team that he'd made nine changes to. 
and they thoroughly deserved the win, um, the 2-1 win. And then they went up to Newcastle and just comfortably dominated C. Bruce's team. And, and that's the sort of thing that we've been seeing from Leicester week in, week out prior to those two defeats. So, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I feel like Leicester <coughs> will still finish in the top four. They've got a lovely cushion there. Um, and, you know, if they keep performing the way they are, they, every chance they could end up finishing above Manchester City, which would be, um, you know, no mean feat at all. They're creating plenty of chances. Like I said, the 2.83 to Newcastle, 2.47 at West Ham. They're averaging over two expected goals per game, which is, you know, really, really impressive compared to what we saw from Claude Puel and his Leicester team last season, which was about 1.2. So there's a huge improvement there. But as we spoke about, Southampton are just flying at the minute. They're, um, they're playing really well. They're playing good football. They're beating good teams. Um, you know, they went to Aston Villa and thoroughly deserved the win there. They went to Chelsea, and although the expected goals total was tight, it was 1 to 1.02. Um, Southampton did edge the expected goals total, and they were just clinical on the day. Against Crystal Palace, unfortunate not to win. And then against Tottenham, they you know they deserved to get all three points. So this is a team that are playing to us, uh, you know, although the results suggest that they're, um, you know, they're playing like a top half team. And that's what we've, they've been all season for Infogol. They're averaging uh, 1.63 expected goals for per game. And that is a, um, you know, that sort of process is really helping out. As you said, Danny Ings, who, who's scoring for fun at the moment. Um, you know, they, they sit fifth in our expected goals table, which is, you know, it's quite staggering. But their performances over the course of the season have been really impressive. They had the little dip just before Christmas where performances weren't up to scratch. But since then, they've come out and they're playing to a really high level. And, and you know, there's no reason to think that they could, you know, that this climb that they're on at the minute is going to stop uh, at 12th. They're only four points behind Sheffield United in, in eighth. They're only five points behind Tottenham who they just beat and they sit sixth. So I won't be surprised if they carried on climbing. But, you know, while they create good chances, defensively, there are still question marks. They're allowing 1.73 expected goals per game. Um, obviously, they had the 9-0 the drubbing, which against Leicester, which I'm sure they'll be looking to avenge, in which they conceded over four and a half expected goals, which, you know, I, I, they, let's just say Leicester won't beat Southampton 9-0 this time around. Um, I don't think Southampton are going to let that happen. But we think there's going to be goals. Old comment. Well, well, yes. I mean, if anyone <laughs> wants to take me on and, and back Leicester nine nil, feel free. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've got both teams to score as, as the value here. With sixty three percent chance of both teams to score, the market's around fifty eight percent. We also think over two and a half is a good bet. Sixty six percent on the, uh, is what we're saying, and sixty three percent on the market. So an entertaining, high scoring game. Um, yeah, it could be a three-one Leicester. It could be a two-two. I wouldn't be surprised if Southampton got something. I think when you, if you look at the performances and you look at the data, there's there's no arguing that Southampton are a better team than than what we saw from the table a few games ago. But from your perspective, is there any worry? Danny Ings, we we said he's on fire. He's scored, I think it's eight and eight starts or something like that over the the last kind of month or so. Is there any concern when a team is is so heavily reliant on one player to convert their chances? I think he's the only one in the league that's contributed over fifty percent of his team's goals. Is that is that a worry or is that just him doing his job? He's the striker. He puts the ball in the back of the net. Do you think? Um, I feel like it is a worry. Yes, um, we saw at the start of the season where it was I think it was Che Adams that started up front, and he I think he's currently the player with the highest expected goals that hasn't scored yet in the Premier League. Uh, I think he's up around three or four expected goals. So he was getting on the end of the chances that Danny Ings has been getting on, but he hasn't been taking them. So if he was to get injured, that is a worry, yes. Um, just purely because Ings has been taking the chances. 
um, at a rate that we would expect or at a rate higher than what we'd expect. So maybe Southampton dip into the transfer market, sign a striker um, just in case. But obviously that uh, Obafemi, the young player, that uh, he's come into a few games, obviously scored at Chelsea. He looks like he could potentially fill that void if, if Ings was was to miss out. But I think there was one game, I think it was Crystal Palace, where um, Ings wasn't playing. I think he was rested because um, it's such a tight turnaround. Uh, no, it wasn't Palace, sorry. I think it was the game before against Chelsea, yeah, where he didn't play. So, you know, they, they've shown that they're capable of doing without him, but there's a much better team within it. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they dipped into the transfer market and perhaps got a number two for him, but... Like I said, Che Adams, if he continues getting on the end of the chances that sooner or later one's going to go in, whether it hits his bum and goes in or whether he falls over and it hits him on the head and it goes in, sooner or later one will go in because he's getting himself in the positions. But I think for him anyway, I think getting the first goal is going to be will, will be key. Uh, obviously, forgot about Shane Long as well, who, who's been playing a fair bit and he's obviously he's not the clinical goal scorer, but he, he, work, he does get himself in good positions and you know, the main thing for Southampton is that they're creating the chances. Um, if you create the chances, sooner or later, someone's going to put one in. Right, so now we'll move on to Manchester United versus Norwich. And, I mean, Manchester's, Manchester United seem to have gone all season with these kind of two or three game runs where it looks like things are beginning to turn around and they can move their way up the table. But they, they had back-to-back wins against Tottenham and Manchester City at the start of the month. They then had easy wins against Burnley and Newcastle, where they looked pretty good after Christmas. But then we come to a game against Arsenal, which we've already said, take Arteta out of the equation. They're, they're not a great side, and they, they barely showed up. It's it's one of, one of those ones, they're still fifth in the table. Some people might find that strange when you kind of think of the performances we've seen from, from some points in the season. Obviously, pushing for Champions League. I think now Liverpool have overtaken them as the best defence in the league, but even second best defence in the league is obviously a positive. But then you've got to look back at the actual games and I think they've kept three or four clean sheets all season. That's that's going to make it hard to win games. This one, it's it's not a given. Norwich are obviously bottom of the table. They keep getting written off. They look down and out a few weeks back and although they're still bottom by five points, the the performances have picked up and they were unlucky not to win against Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. And with those two teams kind of near them in the table, you think if they'd have won those, that would have made such a big difference to how things look now. It's it's no surprise to see the market heavily favouring Manchester United. I said earlier, Pinnacle's got them at 1.294, equivalent of 77% chance of winning the match. Does InfoGoal agree with that? Is there is there any value in the 1x2 odds or, or maybe the goals markets? Um, yeah, there's no value in the 1x2 odds for us. Um, we think United are way too short, given what we've seen from them. We've got them at 69% chance. Um, yeah, They're just too short. They're so un- unpredictable and unreliable um, when it comes to any sort of match. And you know, Like you said, they had the two really good wins against City and Spurs, went to Watford and got beat against a team that were bottom at the time. Two good wins against Newcastle and Burnley, go to Arsenal, a team that are struggling. Um, and just didn't show, didn't turn up really, so they are really frustrating and unpredictable. Frustrating more for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I would imagine, because they show in matches against Newcastle, Burnley, Tottenham, Manchester City exactly what they're capable of. Um, you know, especially in attack, they they were being fantastic in attack in those games. But when it comes to games against Arsenal, Watford, there's a list of them really where they just don't seem to show up. I don't know whether that's fatigue kicking in or or what, but 
it is a bit of a worry that they, they lack consistency in, in the performances. In terms of expected goals, the, the performances over the last over Christmas period have actually dropped them down to seventh in our expected goals table. So they were fourth at one stage. Shows you that the performances haven't been up to scratch. Um, the process is still pretty good. 1.82 expected goals for, 1.23 against. But like I said, that consistency is, is costing them. And you know, like you, you touched on it there, they <clears throat> they lost against Arsenal and they still sit fifth in the table. And that's just purely because everyone above them. Uh, sorry, Chelsea above them and everyone below them failed to pick up points. You know, Tottenham lost, Wolves lost, Sheffield United lost. Um, so they're, they're sort of fortunate in that sense that they're still all, almost in touching distance of that top four, despite having such a bad run of form. And um, yeah, I think it's hurt them having Paul Pogba out, and he's going to be out for much longer now. But that midfield that that they're currently playing with is is just so lacking in quality, attacking quality anyway. They don't create good chances. They don't. Uh, progressed the ball well enough. Uh, Fred and Matic played against Arsenal. I thought they played okay um, in terms of being destructive and um, and stopping Arsenal from playing. But going forward, they don't really offer much. And you know, Jesse Lingard has been playing in the in the number ten position for far too long. Um, goal no goals or assists in, in in a calendar year for an attacking playmaker is is pretty impressive actually. Um, Still worth forty million according to Manchester United. Bizarre. Um, obviously, the paper, the paper talk at the minute is is forty five million and uh, and Lingard for Madison. And if I was Leicester, I'd be looking for more compensation for taking Lingard off off Manchester United. But <laughs> I was going to say um, it works out about thirty five million package, then doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which yeah doesn't make much sense. But yeah, they they you know they've they've got a really good front three: Martial, Rashford, um, Dan James, Greenwood. Obviously, has been playing well recently. But for whatever reason, it's just not clicking um, consistently anyway, or, or they're, they're found out really easily. And, and this is—it's a tough game this for, for United because Norwich are going to go there. Um, they're going to play you know, an open style of football, and, and Norwich have got arguably a better um, progressive midfielders than, than than what Manchester United have, and they'll be brave on the football. And I think they'll take the game to Manchester United, and that could either go one of two ways. Obviously, Norwich can either go there and get get something like Aston Villa did. In the two-two draw, or Manchester United could could um, could turn up and just kill them on the counter attack, like they did with, uh, against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. Um, either way, I think we're expecting goals in this one. But let's quickly touch on Norwich because you're right to point out that the performances have really improved in recent games, especially against teams in and around them. Um, obviously, Crystal Palace—they were very unfortunate not to get the win in that game. They were much the better team for the majority of the game, and it was just a late goal that cost them. But even against Aston Villa in, in what was a, a 1-0 defeat, they were really impressive. Away at Leicester, they were pretty good, got a 1-1 got a draw. And obviously against Tottenham, everyone watched the game. On the eye test, Norwich were really impressive. They pressed Tottenham really well. But when it came to creating the quality chances, they actually struggled to, to, um, you know, to generate high-probability opportunities. And that's something that we've seen them struggle with all season long, actually, which is quite surprising given that they have um, the tarred with the attacking quality brush almost and a high scoring team um, but defensively that is where is where the, their main issues are they're averaging 1.99 expected goals against a game and I think you know, Manchester United will score here um, I think Norwich have the capabilities to cause United problems so we're looking at both teams to score in this one and we've got a 54% chance of both teams to score and the market's around 53 so there's small value here but there's no value in, in, in the over two and a half market 
uh, or the 1x2. So we're, we're looking at both teams to score. And now we'll move on to Wolves versus Newcastle. I think we both had Wolves down as a team that could potentially challenge the top four as, as others maybe dropped away. And when we saw performances like the one against Manchester City, where they put up 2.6 XG to City's 1.48, it really began to to back out, back up those claims. But they've dropped away a bit themselves as well. And that loss to Tottenham was really costly. I don't think that many would have expected much out of the, the game against Liverpool away, but They've got to win games against the likes of Watford if they're going to contend with the elite teams in the league. As for Newcastle, the the results are beginning to fall more in line with their performances. And were it not for fortunate wins against Sheffield United, Southampton and Crystal Palace in December, they could they could really be in trouble. So according to the odds for this one, it's, it's one of the biggest mis- mismatches of the weekend. Do you think that's fair? Yes. Yeah, I think that's um, it's spot on, really. And I think actually Wolves are a decent price, um, even though they're quite short, around 64% on the market. But Infocol thinks there's 68% chance of winning. So, um, yeah, it is a little bit of a mismatch. Obviously, even if you just look at the base expected goals table, Wolves sit fourth in our table. Newcastle sit rock bottom. So, um, yeah, there's a huge disparity between the two teams in terms of um, underlying process, expected goal numbers, um, and quality, you have to say. And it's... It was it's interesting with Wolves. Obviously, they had the two really good results against Norwich and City. They were actually pretty good against Liverpool. I thought. I know the, the expected goal total doesn't reflect that, but they actually caused Liverpool quite a lot of problems um, in terms of non-shot xG. And Liverpool were hanging on towards the end of the game with a one-nil lead. And then they were unfortunate to lose to um, to Watford um, last week. I think part of that is down to the, the congested fixture schedule. Um, you know they played on the 27th against City, and then the, almost less than 48 hours later they were playing Liverpool, which is a really tough two-game spell in in such a short space of time. And then they had to go to travel to Watford um, on New Year's Day, so they, they were a little bit hard done by in terms of that. And I think the Watford result probably put down to um, players being tired, and, and and that showed up again in the FA Cup game against Manchester United, where they were okay, but it was a pretty dull game all in all. In all. And, I'm quite confident now that after after a bigger rest period, that this Wolves team will be raring to go against Newcastle, and it is a it's a game they've got to look to win because I still feel like their their aspirations will be to either gate crash the top four or finish in fifth or sixth position and avoid the early start to the season like they had to have this time around for the Europa League. So, um, better in seventh has to be their 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 goal, and they're more than capable of doing that. I mean, their process is fantastic. They're 1.67 expected goals for, 1.37 against. Uh, it's almost identical to how they finished last season. So they perform at the same level, um, which means that the results are going to be sustainable. And they, they've got to fancy the chances of beating this Newcastle team that have been um, extremely poor in recent weeks. And like you said, they had that little mini spurt which pulled them away from the, 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 the drop zone. But they're only five points clear at the minute. And the way that they're playing would suggest that they can be dragged into it. And they were really poor against Leicester. They were really poor against Everton, conceding loads of chances, and that that was at home as well with the with the home advantage. You know, they they allowed over six expected goals in those two games, and they had in the Manchester United game two point one expected goals against. It it really isn't looking good for them. And like I said, they're rock bottom of the expected goals table. They're allowing one point nine eight expected goals against per game, and creating just one point zero one which is the lowest total in the Premier League. So they're the worst attacking team and they're one of the worst defensive teams and they, they've got real issues 
especially heading to uh, Wolves, who are one of the better teams in the league. And I think another interesting way to look at this is the battle of the back three. Obviously, both teams play a, you know with a with a back three formation. Um, and I think I just think when it comes down to those sorts of, of, of situations, it's such a hard formation to learn and get players to understand it. Um, and when it, it when it does come to those sorts of games, I do feel like the better team or the team with the more quality more often than not comes out on top because there's a lot of one v one battles, and I feel like Wolves have got much more quality um, in every position than Newcastle, which is why I think they're a really good bet. And like I said, there's value there, but um, you know the, the biggest value from our perspective is is looking at the goals market. Um, I was quite surprised to see that over two and a half goals is is round about even money. Um, which to me looks quite a, a you know a tasty looking bet that suggests a fifty percent chance of over two and a half goals and Infogol calculates a sixty percent chance so there's a ten percent um, value there from our perspective anyway and, and it's the same with both teams to score I, I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle managed to get a, a consolation they have done in quite a few of the games this season um, maybe a two or three three or two uh, two one or three one win for Wolves I can get my words out um, but yeah the Wolves to win this one um, and goals is, is where we're looking. Yeah, I'm just looking at the the odds now again, and it's the the, the odds are moving towards the under. So perception from betters, it there's there's not going to be many. But as you said, Newcastle pretty poor defence, so we'll have to see what happens there. I'd I'd be interested to know. You kind of touched upon it with Newcastle. They're they're five points off Bournemouth in 18th, six points off Watford in in 19th, and if they carry on the way they're going, yes, they can get dragged into a relegation battle. I'm I'm thinking potentially a, an outsider candidate for relegation at odds are around sort of 11 to 4, 5 to 2. Is that, whether it's from Info Gold or from your own kind of betting, do you consider outrights? I mean, we talk every week about these these game-by-game game kind of analysis, but are you also looking at outrights, teams to get relegated, things like that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, obviously, we, we did a, um, a pod at the start of the season looking at Teams to get relegated, teams to you know win the title, etc. Um, and those probabilities they run weekly, so we can see when a team is trending in the wrong direction because the probability is increasing. And obviously, a lot of that uh, or a lot of the the, the probability comes down to um, obviously underlying process, but also the fixture schedule. Um, um, and obviously, what we we've got seventeen games left to go, and I feel like Newcastle. They've got some tough fixtures coming up, um, but you look at like a team like Southampton. They've already played Chelsea twice. They've played um, Spurs twice. They've got quite a few out of the way, um, so a lot of that comes into it. And it's, it's basically working out expected points for um, for each team come the end of the season. Then we can work out a, a spread, a point spread for each team and, and percentage chance of going down. But I do feel like that eleven to four um, for Newcastle to go down is is very interesting. Um, I feel like West Ham are going to pull themselves clear of it. I think Bournemouth are in trouble, but I feel like I've said for a while I fancied Watford to, to sort of steer for, um, themselves to safety, especially under Nigel Pearson. Um, I feel like Burnley and Brighton are both going to be safe. So there's there's one place there and I feel like it could end up being Villa um, and Newcastle going head-to-head to avoid um, avoid relegation. So, you know, you've got to look at outrights, especially when relegation, I know Norwich are probably really severely odds-on to go down, but... Newcastle at eleven to four is is an interesting bet. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? When it's so tight and there's so many contenders in there that potentially pick the right one and it could be could be worth your while. Absolutely, yeah. 
And now we've got Tottenham versus Liverpool, and most people would have had these two down as title contenders at the start of the season, but it, it hasn't really worked out like that. Uh, Liverpool have run away with it, and for Tottenham, things got so bad that they sacked their manager, and things still haven't really improved. Obviously, we had a, an initial up, uplift under Mourinho, but then came a draw against Norwich, which, albeit, was undeserved, but there was also a loss to Southampton. It's it's really stopped them in their tracks, and now they've got to do do without Harry Kane for a few months, which is obviously going to be a massive blow. As for Liverpool, they they just keep getting better and better. They're they're ruthless in attack. They're now better than ever at the back. It's it's five clean sheets on the spin, an average of 0.5 expected goals against in that period, and, and not a single game where they've conceded over one xg. I can't imagine Tottenham have been 4.42 or or just 23 percent chance of getting a win for many home games o- over the last few years. Does Infogol think they should be that much of an underdog? Um, yeah, 23%. We, we've got 24%, so a percent more. But personally, I just I think this is a... Tottenham are probably not big enough in price, um, in my in my opinion. I think that the managerial change hasn't worked. The performances are arguably worse now than what they were under Maurizio Pochettino. Um, you know, they've won the XG battle in one of the last five Premier League games. In which you know they've played Wolves and Chelsea, granted, but they've also played Brighton, Norwich, and Southampton. So the performances just really aren't very good. Um, in terms of attack, they're averaging about one point three expected goals in the in the last five matches, which is you know it, it's a really low total for a team with a lot of attacking talent. And like you said, Harry Kane's now out, which adds even more issues to um, uh, for, for Mourinho to to try and solve. Um, and they're coming up against a Liverpool team that are just they just look unstoppable at the minute. And more worryingly for everyone else is the fact that defensively they seem to have got things sorted. Um, but yeah, for me, Tottenham are they, they, they just need to write this season. I think they're if they get into the top four, Mourinho deserves a huge pay packet because I feel like that the performances have been poor. The players that he's got. It just doesn't seem to be working. I don't know why, but you look at the even when you're watching them, it just doesn't look right. Um, the, the sort of setup that they're playing, and you know they, they sit sixth in the table, and like that is staggering in itself. You said that they had the little um, everyone calls it a new manager bounce, where they had a good couple of wins, but you know they, we've got them tenth in our expected goals table, and obviously the, the points total between Tottenham in sixth and Arsenal in tenth is only three points, so. Um, they could easily drop down to that, but the underlying process is is, is really worrying, um, and it's the sort of process we would expect from a mid-table team. And even when Pochettino, towards the back end of last season, results weren't going their way, and, and the sort of this decline started to happen, the process wasn't as bad as what it is now. So um, they really need to have a look at themselves, Tottenham, and, and figure out a way of turning it around. And whether that is by splashing cash in the transfer window, um, I'm not too sure, but for whatever reason, just isn't working. And defensively, 1.47 expected goals against per game is is not bad. I mean, it's the worst of the um, of the current top uh, top nine in the table. Um, and you know, in attack, 1.43 expected goals for that is it is exceptionally poor. Um, you know, you've got teams like uh, Southampton and Everton that. Are, even Arsenal that are much more threatening in terms of creating chances than, than than Tottenham are. Um, so there's a lot of issues that need addressing, and I feel like they're really going to struggle to cause this Liverpool team any any sorts of problems whatsoever. And 
you think of teams that play a high press, Southampton and Chelsea are, are two of those teams. And Tottenham have lost both those games quite convincingly um, without threatening uh, much at all. So, yeah, I, I can only see a Liverpool win here. But it, like I said, there's not too much value in the 1x2. Um, given what we've seen from Liverpool, you said there that the last three, four, five games, um, they've won them all to nil, which is you know staggering. It's a complete 180 from what they were doing at the start of the season, where they were winning every game um, with both teams scoring. But more impressively is the, is the how little XG they're conceding in those matches. Um, so they're deserving to keep, keep clean sheets. Obviously, I mentioned the Leicester game before, 0.15, 0.53 against Wolves and 0.62 against Sheffield United, which are, you know, they're two teams that, obviously, I've said Wolves are fourth in the expected table. Sheffield United are, um, uh, is it ninth in the expected table? So they're two really strong teams and they're limiting them to next to nothing while creating plenty of good chances. So I, I just don't see any sign of any team stopping them. The next question is going to be, can they go unbeaten? Maybe. I think they'll win every game or draw every game up until the Manchester City game. That's the main one, really, because they've already been to Manchester United. They've been to Chelsea. Um, obviously, this is the they're, they're going to Tottenham now, which is used to be one of the tougher games. But given how Tottenham are playing, it, it doesn't seem like a very difficult game. Um, that's the next question, really, is can they go unbeaten? And don't see why not personally I think they just they're just showing so much um on both sides attack and and defense yeah they they, they are sensational and the level they're playing at and the consistency is is absolutely fantastic and an outside bet for this one Liverpool winter nil is quite a big price you're looking at nearly five to two um for for that to happen but the main the main bets for from an Infogol perspective in terms of value is, is looking at opposing goals. We think the goal markets are way too short. Um, over two and a half is around 64%. We calculate over two and a half should be around 49%. So um, under 2.5 goals is definitely value um, on our model. Um, both teams to score also 64% on the market. We're going 51% of both teams to score. So again, there's just the value is just opposing both teams to score and over two and a half goals. So um, yeah, a, a low-scoring game. Like I said, Liverpool win to nil looks very interesting to me. Um, a, a fairly big price. They've won the last five to nil. Tottenham are really struggling to create chances. There's no Harry Kane. Yeah, everything points to me for a, a Liverpool win. Maybe another one nil or two nil like they've shown in the last couple of games. Well, the the unbeaten season is an interesting one, isn't it? I must admit, I'd be. It would be nice for it to happen. You like to see records broken. I think I think Liverpool do deserve it as well. I know you've got the benefit of obviously looking at the process from them this season and, and from teams before. Do you think they're, they're surpassing the Manchester City that we saw last season or the season before that as the what many had as the best team in Premier League history? Um, perhaps. Um, well, especially given, you know, if people just look at the raw table, then it, it will probably be a yes come the end of the season. Uh, if they carry on doing what they're doing. But in terms of process, that Manchester City team, when they got the 100 points, was absolutely sensational. Um, and it, they had a better process than what Liverpool currently have. Uh, the Manchester City team from last season, where the 98-point season, they actually improved on the previous 100-point season. So, again, Manchester City's process, compared to this Liverpool team's process over the last two seasons, has been sensational and actually better than what Liverpool was showing. But if Liverpool continue doing what they're doing... Um, obviously keeping more clean sheets. If they carry on just winning matches, which is something that they seem to have got a habit of doing at the minute, even when they do put out the under-12s, um, 
it is, you know, it is, it, it, they're going to make a strong case for themselves as being arguably the best Premier League team, yeah. Right, so now we've got Bournemouth versus Watford and one of the themes from the podcast early on in the season was that we, we couldn't quite work Bournemouth out and it, I mean, it feels like I can, I don't know about you and it's it's quite a simple answer, they're just, they're just bad. Um, <laughs> they've lost, they've lost that attack. in-depth analysis on this podcast, that's what you yeah, get. exactly. Um, they, but they, they've lost that attacking threat and they look as, as weak as ever at the back. They've tumbled down the table and it's, it's really difficult to see how things might turn around. I mean, I'm personally a fan of Eddie Howe. We've seen a lot of clubs now now ditch their manager and go for something new, and it's worked for quite a few. So is he on borrowed time? We'll have to wait and see. Watford, meanwhile, they are a team that turned to a different manager. They have turned things around. Rock bottom at the start of December. They they had that dreaded bottom at Christmas tag uh, on Christmas Day. They're now on the way up and, and just a win off West Ham in 16th. Performances have improved under Nigel Pearson to a certain degree. But they, they can't have many games like the one they did against Sheffield United where they gave up two and a half expected goals. And you can't be doing that if you want to stay in the league. Um, the result of this one, it's, it's another one that could have a massive impact on, on who goes up and uh, who goes down and who stays up. The market seems completely split. What does Infogol think? Who do you think is going to come out on top here? Yeah, this is a really interesting game. Um, I'm not sure if I'm glad it's on TV, but it's an interesting game. Um yeah, like you said, the market's split. And I was looking at the these fixtures a couple of weeks ago before Watford went on this little run. Um, and Watford were, yeah, they've shortened so much just based on um, on their sort of revival and Bournemouth's plight. Um, I think they were, they were almost close to three to one uh, a couple of weeks ago to get the, the win in this game. And now it's basically pick them uh, with Bournemouth's small home advantage. But, you know, it, in for goal, Obviously, like I've said before, when a new manager comes in and the process does start to improve, it takes a while for ratings to actually register. Um, obviously, four, what is he, he's been in the, in the job four to six games. Um, it's a quite, still quite a small sample. And our ratings, we, we take into account, obviously, the last 30, 35 games uh, with a weighted on 10 to 14 games. So um, in terms of their process and their rating, it hasn't changed drastically since... Pearson came in. Obviously, the performances have been much better, but it hasn't changed drastically. So we're still seeing this as a Bournemouth team that we rate as around the 15th best team and Watford 17th, um, with obviously home advantage. So we've actually got a huge amount of value in backing Bournemouth to get the win here. We've got them at 46% compared to around 37. So we make them stronger favourites, much stronger favourites than what the, the than what the market does. Um, which I find really interesting because We've spoke about it many times. And to be fair, you hit the nail on the head with what you just said about Bournemouth being bad because they, you know, they are bad. Um, you look at the recent games though, and there is reason for optimism. I've got to say, obviously, they went to Chelsea and got a, a win, which was undeserved according to expected goals, but it was a win nonetheless. And then they were un- unlucky to lose to, <coughs> excuse me, unlucky to lose to Burnley in what was. A sensational game for the, all the wrong reasons. Um, 0.32 expected goals combined. There was 0.05 expected goals in the first half between the two teams, which is incredible. Um, but they were unfortunate to lose the game as it was, you know, the, the expected goals totals were exactly split, exactly the same. It's the same with the Arsenal game, which they did get a point. So th- there's been glimpses there of, of, of Bournemouth potentially grabbing a few more points than what, than what they have done. Um, 
they sit 17th in our expected table. They've actually not been as clinical as uh, as, as they should have been. They're at 20 goals scored, 25.9 expected goals. So they're six goals down. So they're not create, not taking the chances that they are creating. Um, you know, defensively, they've still got massive issues. You said that there, 1.78 expected goals against the game. So, you know, there is reason to be optimistic going to this game. There's also reason for caution. And like you said, this is this is almost a six-pointer, really. Watford win, they jump above Bournemouth and potentially out of the relegation zone. If Bournemouth win, drops Watford um, perhaps even deeper in the relegation zone uh, in, in trouble and, and, and propels them up the table. So it's a big game. I think it's going to be a tight one, personally. Um, but yeah, Watford have been... They've been impressive, really, since Pearson came in. I, I, I enjoyed the appointment. I thought it was a very sensible decision after the, the whole calamity of, of Kike Sanchez-Flores coming in again. Um, performances have been great, mainly mainly at home. Though. That's the only issue for me. You know, Look at Manchester United game. They, they were really impressive. They were really impressive against Villa when they absolutely destroyed them with 10 men. Um, and against Wolves, they were OK, but fortunate. And the, the away games have, have been... A little bit worrying. Obviously, you don't expect to get anything when you go to Anfield um, nowadays. And they, they, they did okay. But the game against Sheffield United is a huge worry for me. Obviously, they created 0.6 expected goals. And like you said, allowed two and a half expected goals. And you do that every game. You're not going to win too many. Um, they themselves still conceding plenty of chances at 1.76 expected goals against per game. So, yeah, but it's two it's two teams that I think are at the same level, really, um, with one team having a little bit of momentum and form behind them. I feel like this is like this is probably one of the bigger games of the weekend, just purely because it could define either team's season. Um, given it, I expect quite a tight game. I, I do feel like the, the, the sensible play is to side with the home team. I know Watford are the team that are in form. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if Bournemouth managed to pull a, a a performance out of the bag from nowhere like they did when they went to Chelsea and got the win because prior to that they were struggling as well um, so yeah Bournemouth to get the win is the value play in terms of the other markets small value in, in over two and a half goals we're at 58% the market's at 56 so um, it could be a 2-1 Bournemouth but I, I think it's going to be a really hardly a tight uh, contested game with um, neither team wanting to give too much up and now we've got Aston Villa versus Manchester City, our, our final game of game week 22. And for me, it feels like Aston Villa have been in 17th all season, but they're still there. I'm sure they'd be happy to still be there come the end of the season. They've, they've had a couple of big injuries from their last game and that's going to make things difficult. And you have to feel that they'll now be focused on getting results against the teams that are kind of near them in the table that, that could be those crucial points. I'm not saying they're going to have this down as a write-off, but it's going to be difficult for them to to stop Manchester City. Being top of the expected points table, it won't mean anything to to Pep Guardiola or or the players at City. Pinnacle now give Liverpool a 95% chance of winning the league, so it seems like they're just, they're just playing for second now at the moment. One things one of the things we have seen recently with Manchester City, and correct me if I'm wrong here, they've They've lost the XG battle on two occasions against Wolves and Sheffield United. I think that's the only time they've actually done that this season. So it shows that they're they're still giving up those good chances and maybe not doing as much going forward. However, an 80% chance of winning this game, it, it says it all really. I'm, I'm guessing info goal is around about the same, but is there anything on offer for the goals markets here? Yeah, we're around the same on the 1x2. We're 76%, so we are looking elsewhere. Um, obviously... 
you think of Aston Villa, and we banged on about it week in, week out, about how poor they've been defensively, and that hasn't changed at all in recent weeks. Obviously, the, you know, they've picked up two wins in the last four Premier League games, but in all of those matches, they've been second best on expected goals by a long way. Um, Southampton put nearly three expected goals on them. Bottom side, Norwich put 1.7. Watford, 3.64. Burnley, 2.46. So this is a team that continually concede big chances. And obviously, their the first-choice goalkeeper is now injured, Tom Heaton. Um, and he might have been one of the main reasons why Villa managed to, to get points in those games by saving those, some of those big chances. So he'll be a big loss. Um, yeah, defensively, they are all over the place. They rank as the worst defensive team in the league, 2.33 expected goals against per game. So I've, I've got no problems um, in thinking that Manchester City will carve Villa open whenever they want um, in this match. thing that you have to say with Villa is that they do have a go. They, they do have a go. They create chances. Um, 1.5 on expected goals, four per game. They, they do create chances. In terms of teams in and around the bottom, they are one of the better teams in, term, in creating chances. Um, they sit mid-table in terms of attacking process, actually, which is above Arsenal, um, Tottenham, etc. So they've got a decent attacking process, but it just seems as though they've got no balance. If they, they, they play such a kunko football that they get caught out at the back, and that's not what you want to happen when Manchester City are in town. And over the Christmas period, what we've seen from them is, has been... Like you said, the two games in between there, Wolves and Sheffield United, which they had to play within 48 hours, they were two of their worst games of the season in terms of expected goals. They lost both. Um, lost the XG battle in both both games and unfortunate to get the win against Sheffield United. But either side of that, um, you know, they were really impressive against Leicester um, and then did, did enough against Everton to deserve the win. Like you said, you don't get anything for winning the expected points total. Um, uh, battle anyway they've been sensational when it comes to winning the XG battle week in week out like I said they've won 19 of the 21 games um, won the XG battle in 19 of the 21 the process is, is by far and away the best in the Premier League 2.85 expected goals four per game 1.2 expected goals against and I think if they, if they maintain that level of performance they could well close the gap on Liverpool who may drop a few points here or there with draws um, but like you said they're playing for second really they're 14 points behind Liverpool and Liverpool have a game in hand. So it's pretty much done and dusted, I would imagine. Um, like you said, 95% chance of Liverpool getting the, uh, of winning the title suggests it's, uh, yeah, it would be a Man City miracle if, if they did turn it around. But Man City will win this game, I feel. Uh, I think Villa, they're going to be way too vulnerable at the back. But, you know, the market is expecting a lot of goals in this one. Um, over three and a half is at, is at 50, 58%, which is, is quite staggering, really, um, for over three and a half goals. And in for goal, we, we've got 48% chance of, of over three and a half. So 52% chance of under three and a half. We've got actually got a bit of value there. The market's at 50% um, on under three and a half. So Man City to, keep, to win the game, but maybe a 2-0 or 3-0 um, away win. Villa keeping it respectable. Yeah, our, our goals total has gone up. The split handicap now or split total on three and a half and four in it. It seems like Manchester City play any team outside of the top four and you can just list up a, a 3.5 goals total anyway, just know what they do going forward. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. But you look at the last two games, and uh, or even three games, <clears throat> they've been far from the best in attack. Uh, 1.48 against Wolves, 0.96 against Sheffield United, 1.51 against Everton. Um, I, know, I know Villa are much worse defensively than all three of those teams, but um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see another... 
a comfortable win, but without blowing the doors off. Well, that, that's our games done, I have to say. It feels good to be back, Jake. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing it your... It does, yeah. <laughs> back in the swing of things. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your insight and obviously those those all-important info goal models. So cheers for your time. No, very welcome. And thank you to everyone for listening. Bit of a plug coming here, but if you if you have enjoyed the podcast or, or any others from Pinnacle, then you can vote for us as the best betting podcast of 2019 on the the Smart Betting Club Awards. If you head to at SBC Info on Twitter, you can find the link there and it only takes you a couple of minutes to vote. Um, if you do want any more information on InfoGold, then visit infogold.net, follow it at InfoGold app on Twitter and download the app on iTunes and Android. You'll find all the latest odds for Game Week 22 of the Premier League on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and remember to please gamble responsibly. Uh-huh.